Story Screen listeners. Welcome to an episode of Hollywood Stars and Celebrities. What do they know? Do they know things? Let's find out. A special episode of Cathode Raycast where we talk about BoJack Horseman. My name is Bernadette Gorman-White, and I'm joined today by... Robbie Anderson. And I am very excited to talk to Robbie about the Netflix series BoJack Horseman, Mm. because while I had heard it was great, he was really kind of like the last impetus of a push to get me to watch this show, and it is wonderful, so thank you. I'm glad that you liked it. I I recommend all people watch it, but uh, I had a feeling it would be up your alley. And, uh, Absolutely. It's definitely one of the... I, I, I champion many things, but I, I certainly champion Bojack Horseman. For, yes. Uh, so I wanted to ask you at the start, at the top of this podcast, um, mm-hmm. have you been watching it since 2014 when it came out? Or when did you get introduced to Bojack? Uh, I watched... Yeah, I watched it when it first aired. Uh, I didn't like the first season when I first watched it. Um uh, and then when I watched the second season, for for some reason, even after not liking the first one, I was like, I'm going to give the second season a shot. Uh, I loved it. I thought it was incredible. And it made me go back and rewatch the first season and, and like it more. And every time since I've rewatched the first season, I still really like it. So I might have been just like in a funk or or um, or I was stupid. I don't know. It could be either of those things. But, but yeah, I've been watching it uh, as it airs pretty much since 2014. Very cool. I I wouldn't say that I gave it a shot in 2014, but I kind of agree with you. I remember watching Mm. the first two episodes whenever, maybe two or three seasons had already been out on Netflix. Yeah. But I watched a couple episodes, and for whatever reason, it didn't land with me at the time. Mm Mm-hmm. And it was weird because coming to it, I love Amy Sedaris, who's the voice of Princess Carolyn. Yeah. Um, I really liked Will Arnett on Arrested Development, so I came in really expecting to vibe with it, and for whatever reason, it's a very different premise. And I think it's common now for cartoons to be sarcastic and depressing, but I think at that point, having a show with animals and humans that didn't really seem to have like a very deep-seated plot at the time, for whatever reason, it just didn't land, but I'm so glad that you push me to get back into it yeah i mean it's not really till the end of the first season that you start to see some of that depth and then you know the show does a good job as it continues to um i think use things from the first season and like add depth to them that kind of makes that rewatch a lot more enjoyable um yeah when i first watched it i was afraid it was going to be like another uh family guy or something like that you know and i think i think that there was a time you know with with like the surge of like adult swim cartoons and things like that. Like, you know, we we've had had adult animation television that like does have a lot of depth and is very interesting, but it's usually kind of wrapped up in like really like crass satire, which is also something I enjoy. Like I like me an Aqua Teen Hunger Force or, or something like that. I, I'm super into that stuff, but um, Bojack is definitely, uh, it is in a league of its own. I think I, I forget often that it's a cartoon as I'm watching it. Oh, absolutely. I think it definitely deserves to be held in this like higher echelon of cartoon programming yeah, I agree. that can handle such like difficult subject matter and stay relevant and also be like deeply moving in a very em- empathetic way. Um, I'm a huge fan of the Venture Brothers, which I think does the same thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but very few shows, I think, rise to this occasion. 
Absolutely. Yeah. I'm uh, rewatching Adventure Time. Oh yeah. I feel like Adventure Time is is probably up there. Absolutely. As well. Yeah. Those are really good comparisons because I think Adventure Time, maybe that first season, when it doesn't deal with as much of the lore and it's much more surface level, yeah. is kind of like a good entry point. And then once you get to know these characters really well, that's when they start like really hammering home. Yeah, I mean, in, even I agree, him, but even in like se- like with Adventure Time seasons like two and three, they really take a lot of like interesting nuggets that they had in season one, and then they start giving it stories or giving it more episodes or adding lore to it. And I think like Bojack does a good job of that, that as well. I think that, I think it's something that we saw a lot happen in um, like Breaking Bad, I think did that probably the best. Um, or I remember the first season was like good. Like, yeah, it's interesting. It has a good hook to it, but it's the other seasons that are kind of like, Oh, now we're going to give a backstory to Tuco or these people. And now you're going to care more about this. And it kind of, it, it makes the, the whole thing more interesting overall. Oh, yeah. I know. Uh, Raphael Bob Waksberg, the creator of BoJack Horseman, mm-hmm. he definitely learned from all of those previous works to clearly lay out, like, a ground floor. But as you said, he will do, like, spinoff episodes and mm-hmm. past episodes and future episodes that really build out this world. But it's very impressive to watch BoJack Horseman and see that it wasn't written into a corner at any given point. No. Which is very smart. He never got to the point where there was no further to go. He always had maybe like four or five different doors open that led to all of these very fun, different themed seasons. Yeah. I mean, he always, I I feel like, you know, much like TV in general, you know, each season had like an end point it was going to hit. And it all kind of is like working, like all the narrative threads are kind of working to hit that point and then leave some doors open for future seasons. Um, he's an amazing, he is, he is like one of my favorite writers ever. He has a book called um, uh, Someone Who Will Love You in All Your Damaged Glory. Uh, and he is just like, it's like one of the best book of short stories I've ever read. I really, I really love this dude's work. And then um, the woman who did a lot of, who, who like, created the look of this show she's very cool too and she did tuca and birdie which uh you know rest rest in peace because yeah. that show's very good i haven't watched it yet i'm kind of like saving it like in my pocket it's a good I've... it's a good one season of a show man it's so good <laughs> oh i bet yeah like i burned through bojack so quickly yeah. at the beginning of this quarantine well a little bit prior to the quarantine but yeah then you mostly... started in like march right yeah. yeah, and then mostly during the quarantine, but I burned so quickly through it that I didn't realize until today that I didn't watch the Christmas special of BoJack Horseman, Ooh, which was had, like at the end nugget. of <laughs> season one. So I haven't watched it, actually. Um, mm-hmm. So I'm going to save that for Christmas as like a nice little treat. Yeah. And I think I'm going to add Tuka and Birdie to that as well. Tuka and Birdie is really good. I mean, it is, it's kind of like, uh, like the first... It, rem- it has, like, a the first episode is kind of just okay, and then, like, every episode after that is really good. And then it, it hits some of those, like, really serious, like, dark points that, like, Boja goes to, like, by the end of it. And it's it's really just, like, the biggest shame in the world that it's not coming back. It is it's so sad to me, because I really, I, that show is very cool. Yeah, yeah, sadly. I mean, Netflix just puts out so much content now that... Yeah. 
I think a lot of things just fall by the wayside or maybe there's not enough budgeting and they have to make some very tough choices. But it's unfortunate because there are a lot of Netflix shows that even get like three seasons in and are so good and get dropped. I think they just did a really poor job of promoting it. Like, I don't remember seeing Tuca and Birdie on like the homepage all that much. And they're going to give that show about like, I don't know, the weird stalker barista who's like, you know, that show you or uh, or whatever the fuck it is. Yeah, I've heard yeah. of you, but I'm yeah, not going to watch it. I watched the first episode. It's It wants to be Dexter real bad. It's fine. Um, that's a fine show to want to be. It's very mediocre, and people fucking love it, because I don't, I don't know. Yeah. But yeah, give I, that another season, I guess. Whatever. I, I'm one of those people, too, that anything that kind of blows up like that, like this whole Tiger King thing, I'm just not going to watch that. Tiger King's supposed to be cool. Yeah. Uh, that's it. I am, I'm not afraid of the hype. I'll watch... I'll deal with the hype. I like things that are like, I like being a part of the conversation on most stuff, but uh, right now for me is a time of comfort food. So yes. That is, that is what I'm doing. Yeah. I went uh, straight from BoJack Horseman to now binging Curb Your Enthusiasm on HBO. Never watched Curb. It's, it's good. good. things. Chris yeah. and I have watched all of Bates Motel. That show is stupid. Uh, it, but the last season's really good, so I actually kind of that's on Netflix. I I recommend watching that if you need something to burn through. It's a good couple show because you'll be like, why are they doing this? <laughs> uh, and then we also we watched all of Barry because that's on Hulu right oh, now. Yes, I need to finish Barry. I started watching that and halted for whatever reason. Barry is, is super good. Um, and then now we're starting to watch Hannibal, which I have seen. Oh, yes, I need Kirsten to I need to watch that. Seen. It's. She, I knew she would like it because it has all. It has dogs and psychology and murder in it. So perfect I know she for likes her. Those things, yes. <laughs> but yeah. So um, to get back to BoJack Horseman, I just have to warn the listeners at this moment. We've been kind of skirting around the themes and the season or this series is six seasons long. So we're about to get into the nitty gritty of what those seasons tell. And the different characters that come in and out of the plot. So if you haven't watched BoJack Horseman and you would like to revisit this podcast at a later time, go watch the show. Come on back. But if you're not afraid of a little conversation about a show that you will end up wanting to watch by the end of this podcast, then continue listening. Because we're about to get into the nitty gritty. Mm-hmm. So, Robbie. Yes. As far as BoJack Horseman goes as a whole... Do you have a particular season that really speaks to you? I mean, I really like the last one that's broken into two chunks um, because I think it's just because it's the most recent. And I I do think it has like some of the best like overall writing because I think you're watching it the whole time being like, there's no way they can really stick the landing on this show. And they're like, oh, they did it like. Like ten out of ten, flawlessly. I, I, in my opinion, I don't know how you feel about it, but uh, so yeah, I, you know, I, I think the last season really speaks to me. I really like the last season. I really like seeing BoJack become a teacher. I also really like seeing the show kind of wrestle with cancel culture, which is like something before like I don't know hashtag pandemic was happening <laughs> was a lot more relevant. Um, but uh, so yeah, I really like that. I, I think also I, I really do like um. I really like season two um, because again of the way it wraps up. And I like the, I, I liked that whole the season two is so important to like what happens to him overall with what's going on with the, um, what's the, I forget the name of the, the deer family in oh, Arizona, Charlotte, Charlotte. Yeah. Yeah. And her daughter. 
Mm-hmm. Penny and yeah. her family, yeah. But the show is, I mean, like, you know, every season's really, they almost, like, have all the kind of equal footing to me. But I do think season five, or season six, I'm sorry, uh, and, and its two parts are the best to me. Because I do really think they're firing off on all cylinders. And they just, they've created such, like, a wonderful playground to, to really work in. Um, so, yeah, that's, that, that is my take on that. Gotcha, yeah. I, I also really liked season two, because while season one, we got the introduction to all of the main characters, Bojack, Princess Carolyn, Mr. Mm-hmm. Peanut Butter, Diane, and Todd, season two introduced one of my favorite characters, Wanda, the owl, uh, played by to, Lisa Didn't Kudrow. get to see her for too long, but she's a good one. Yeah, she was great. I loved the idea of presenting this possibility of a romantic interest for Bojack, and it's someone who is in a coma who knows no of his wrongdoings. Yeah. Which is very clever, and it's kind of what you always want in a new relationship. You don't want that person to know anything about you that's negative. Mm-hmm. And it was nice that Bojack could find that in someone, yeah, even I though mean, it didn't last. I feel like that's a, that's not even something he necessarily was looking for, because he, you know, for he seemed to like everyone knowing who he was, and he used that for many a uh, uh, relationship manipulation, but this seemed like a, like a healthy decision for Bojack, which I think is like kind of a running theme of the show. We were just like, I just want Bojack to get better because I don't want to have to hate him, right? But you know, the show the show's smart in the ways that it will go back and forth with that. Oh, definitely, yeah. Will Arnett, I think, is like at the top of his game in this series. Yeah. Because even though Bojack is such a despicable character most of the time, he's actually very lovable. And it is really difficult to dislike him. Of course, you're disappointed in him. But it's yeah. hard to like outright hate the decisions he makes because they seem so well-informed by his past. I mean, that's like, you know, season six, like, really, like, wrestles with that. Because the way, I mean, season five ends in a way where you're just like, this guy fucking sucks. Like, I almost thought, like, as I was watching it, you know, season to season, like, I was like, maybe he won't be in the next season. And I remember I wasn't the only person that, like, thought that. Like, you know, maybe Bojack season six is going to focus on, like, everyone else because he just is such a piece of shit. I don't know. But uh, yeah. it, the show does a really good job of explaining, like, why he's the way that he is, but it doesn't, like, ask for forgiveness. I don't think the show ever asks you to forgive this character for what he's done. No. And that is such, like, a tightrope to walk. Oh, yeah, definitely. Um, I think, speaking of that, that's uh, why I think season four is my favorite, which is the season that really introduces Hollyhock. And the entire season long, you're wondering whether Hollyhock is his daughter. And if so, who's the mother? But then you see these very well-written episodes about family trauma that is passed down the line, especially from Bojack's mother, Beatrice. And you see some of, like, the best writing I've seen ever. Well, you, yeah. I mean, you have the uh, the episode where she dies and you have like the 20 minute monologue. That episode's yeah. like one of the best like pieces of TV just ever. And, yeah. Free uh, churro. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. And then. Um, yeah, there's that. And then, yeah, like you said, like all of the, the flashback sequences and then all the Henrietta mystery that happens with her face being like kind of crisscrossed out, like all that stuff is. I feel like that's when the show gets really like surreal in its like kind of stylings, which you don't see happen again until kind of I think season six is when you see a, a little bit more of those like kind of more uh, ambiguous. I'm not sure what the right word is, but kind of like 
more heavy subtextual episodes. Yeah, it it was kind of cool to see because while I never shipped Bojack and Diane, I was always like just really hoping that they weren't going to end up together. So I was very pleased at the end because I think they're terrible for each other. Yeah. But I thought it was really cool to have Bojack have these very like trippy episodes, like you said, abstract and surreal. Right. And then in season six, Diane gets a lot of that, which is very cool. I liked that they were like good mirrors of each other mm-hmm. i think pizza carolyn gets she gets the one episode where she is like shadows of herself taking oh. care of ruthie i really like that episode as well oh yeah that episode mm-hmm. sounds so cool because yeah. of that effect mm-hmm. yeah it's yeah. a feat yeah i remember watching that and just being like i can't believe this show just like can do this <laughs> like it's also very impressive that the show has like two very very silly characters Todd and Mr. Peanut Butter, and it's not yeah. overwhelming at all. Yeah, well, I think the show really, uh, I don't want to say struggled, but kind of took its time, like, finding what their depth is. Um, I, I mean, I mean, in season one, you get a little bit of, like, Todd's kind of, like, you know, to, to not use a cliche, but he's a, he's a screw-up, but he also, he's just very, like, he doesn't think how we do, but he he's an idiot savant, you know. And I think he's the so show pure. he's so pure. And but he also like he he has like good ideas, you know. It's like it's like when you like think of someone like who's on the spectrum. It's just like well, they're not like you know deficient in anything. They just like their channels of thinking are just not the same as you, and they can get to like better or even more like interesting conclusions that way. And then, like you know, Todd's like kind of. That and I think also adding that layer of like his his sexuality to his character, and they do so such a good job. I think personalizing someone like that. Like I've never met someone in my life who's asexual, but like you know, they do such a good humble way of like dealing with that character. I I believe you know. Yeah, I have one friend who's asexual, mm-hmm. and yeah, I think they did a great job of highlighting how difficult it is to discover who you are. When there's an entire culture where there aren't any representatives for what that is yeah, or how that even feels. So I think a lot of people do grow up not knowing that that's even an option. And so there's always something lacking, but they don't really know what that is. And it's hard to pinpoint. And yeah, I like that Todd is a character. He's a character that I would kind of like to be more like because he's so non-encumbered by like what society thinks of him. He doesn't intellectualize anything. No. And he doesn't care how people view him. Yeah. And it's not out of ignorance, which I think is like usually how that would go. You know, Mm -hmm. he's, he's not an ignorant character. He's just kind of like, he's, he's pure like will, you know, he just like wants to do something or sets out to do something. Or if he doesn't want to do something that will just happen. Yeah. Yeah. Very cool work by Aaron Paul. And yeah. yeah, right. The cast in the cast in the show is like crazy. Like the cameos and stuff they get in the show are just like how did how did you trick these people to be in the show it's for great. Like five minutes? <laughs> I wrote down yeah. a list of like really fun, um, just like random voices, like random celebrity voiceover work. Mm-hmm. But yeah, since you brought that up, I think the most random one is Hillary Swank playing Joey Pogo in the last season. Bizarre. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Why not? Why not? Yeah, I was I was surprised that Rami Malek was in uh, season five 
for the entire like the entire season. He's in the entire season as oh, that yeah. director. It was like, oh, okay. really fun. So season five is the Filbert season where they're doing that hard-boiled detective yeah. show. And uh, yeah, Rami Ooh. Malek plays Flip McVicker. And instantly, um, he's like a total Nick Pizzolatto, true detective type person, which is fun because I took a creative yeah. writing class in college from Nick Pizzolatto. And so I'm like, oh, oh that's nice. Nick. <laughs> like, that's who that character is supposed to mm-hmm. be. That was a very enjoyable season for sure. And especially since I just got into Brooklyn Nine-Nine pretty heavily too. And then you have uh, Stephanie Beatriz playing Gina Cazador, his co-worker mm. in Filbert. She's she's really incredible oh, yeah. in that season too. And uh, and seeing kind of like where she ends up at the... At the at the end of her arc, I guess, it's, it's like the halfway point in season six where you see kind of like all the ripple effects of everyone else who Bojack has kind of hurt um, and seeing like how she has like PTSD and is not getting the roles that she wants because of Bojack's actions. Uh, that was. Yeah. Even though shit. that she was trying to curtail those effects from happening by telling Bojack to keep that a secret. Yeah. But she also she like hurt mm-hmm. him because he wanted to come clean. But she hurt herself even more because of all of that internalizing of that struggle and trauma. It's very hard to watch. Yeah. It's a very nuanced take on, you know, something that we've seen in in the cultural conversation for much louder in the past few years um, with Me Too and stuff like that. I think it's. It's it's a version of that kind of story I didn't expect to to see ever. Yeah, and you as know? you said, like the closure of her story is so quick that it makes me wonder how often that happens in Hollywood that one person just has to say, "Yeah, she's a little difficult to deal with. Maybe don't hire her." And then that's it. I think it's I think it's all it takes. I mean, if you've had any job where you, you know, even if you're not like someone who does the hiring at the job if you're just someone that works there and someone's like oh your boss is like what did you think of that person you're like no then they don't get hired i can only imagine it's that times a huge margin in in hollywood and stuff like that where you know it seems to be a a career path that's kind of based on word of mouth or gossip you know yeah it's terrifying and very well handled yeah yeah Mm -hmm. i mean Especially in, like, season four, moving onward, they really handle all of these very culturally relevant situations. Like, they talk about abortion. They talk about a little bit of cancel culture. They kind of talk about Me Too. They talk about thoughts and prayers when it comes to mass shootings. Yeah, it's amazing. All of these, like, situations and subject matters that they tackle. And it is a bit of a shame Mm -hmm. that it's not around anymore. I mean, it's it's always gonna be there, and you know, I I always like to think like I was really bummed when uh, I heard that Nathan for you wasn't coming back, but then you're like, but he's gonna <laughs> do the next thing. Like he's not he's not like I'm not I'm not working anymore. <laughs> like no, he's doing the next whatever the next Nathan for you is. Like he's making that, and he wants it to yeah. be fucking killer, right? So you you imagine that these people are all moving on to do the next project, which hopefully will be you know. Even better. I think it's hard. You know, Bojack's a tough yeah. act to follow. I, I I don't know how you do that. But, you know, I, I'm most familiar with, with Bob's work. And, you know, I've watched some of Undone, which is, you know, I highly recommend Undone on uh, Amazon Prime. 
it's another animated show. You can tell that he's one of the writers because there's a lot of lines in there. He's just like, oh, he definitely fucking wrote that. He has his book. Um, there's Stuka and Birdie. They're, you know, they, they will they will be back. There will be more things. But Bojack is such a really good vessel for dealing with these, you know, prudent issues. Um, so I definitely, I understand, you know, I, I, I understand why it's kind of a bummer why we can't see their perspective on tackling these things at the moment, especially right now, especially probably yeah. for the next few years. You're right though. I mean, those creative minds are going to come back with something else. No. Yeah. I mean, they're not retired. I mean, they gotta, they gotta what are they up to right now? Who knows? <laughs> <laughs> Who knows? Maybe we doing? will find out. We'll see. Maybe we so yeah, let's uh, talk more about this main cast of characters since they're the ones that we are following the most closely. Um, when it comes to yeah. a character like Diane, what was your initial read of Diane? Because it took me a while to really care for her as a character because I think she was used so heavily as a foil to Bojack at the beginning that even though you saw some of her family life, it took a while for me to really like get in tune with her but i grew to really really like her i i think i you know i liked her probably the most in season you know in season two is when i started liking the show but you know and it's trying to think back into like what my initial feelings were which is tough you know i do think i i always like empathize with diane because i feel like she had a lot of like uh writers being an artist and a writer that I empathized with and I like saw myself in a lot of times, like she deals with kind of like crippling, like quote unquote writer's block or depression in like ways where I'm like, Oh, I think I, I like deal with it that same way too. And I, I don't think that makes me the only person I'm sure many people deal with it in, in those ways. Um, and you know, I, I always, I, I always did like her character. Um, I love the sequence where she goes to, mm-hmm. she goes to Vietnam and like I think that's like probably one of her best like series of episodes. Uh I always questioned her her yeah. taste in men. Um but you know, Guy seems great. Guy and Sonny are good. Yeah, I really so. liked Guy. Uh played by Lakeith yeah. Stanfield. Very cool. Lakeith Stanfield. Yeah. Um but yeah, I, I think I, I'm not sure when that like what moment like happened or like what my light bulb moment was with that character when I kinda like strapped it and was like, Oh, I actually really like this one. But uh, I do, you know, I do think I've always kind of empathized with, like, her her writing struggle, and especially in season six, where she, like, is dealing with, like, you know, the having writer's block and also the dichotomy of just, like, wanting to feel your emotions so you can eventually put that into work, but that's not an equation that actually works that way. Like, being mentally ill does not elicit better work, which is, you know, something that... You know, it's it's one of the great artist myths that have existed and permeated for all time. Where it's just like, no, if you're really sad, that's when you're gonna make your best stuff. It's like, that's just not how that that's just not how that works. Because if you're trying to you know make a living being an artist, you have to be able to produce. And if you're really sad or mentally ill, you will not be. Yeah, and also, I really liked her storyline where in that episode uh, titled "Good Good Trauma," where she is wrestling with. Mm-hmm. Well, if I'm not producing something about the trauma that I went through, then is it even worth anything? And how can I make yeah. people feel better in the way that also makes me feel better? And sometimes that doesn't work. Or sometimes you're dwelling so much on the quote unquote good trauma 
that you're stuck in that trauma. And that's the opposite way of how to move past it. So I thought they handled that subject matter yeah. in a very like respectful and honest tone. Yeah, which I really liked mm-hmm. as well. I think season six is like tops for Diane. Yeah, that's definitely I, I agree. Cause I think, you know, I think season six is is everyone's kind of issues coming to a a boiling mm-hmm. point, you know what I mean? Um but yeah, for her, it's like I also I think the thing I also really like about season six is that they deal with issues that maybe you didn't catch or or see the psychology of until they kind of presented mm-hmm. it to you, you know. Um, I think like you know, Mister Mister Peanut Butter dealing with like his like constant happiness or his relationships, like they really make you deal with it in season six. And I, mm-hmm. I really like that about that. that yeah, season. I, season six and season five, uh, the introduction of pickles. To better highlight Mr. Peanut Butter, I love pickles so yeah. much. Pickles is great. <laughs> oh my gosh, she's someone so you want to you want to hang out with. Pickles. Um, it was crazy though yeah. to find out that Pickles was voiced by two different people, and mm-hmm, and I'm not really sure really? Um, when the switch happens. I did not know that. But one of the people who does the voice is Julia Chan, and I'm mm-hmm. not really familiar with her work, but. The other voice of Pickles is yeah. Lady True from Watchmen, <laughs> Hong Chow, which is very cool. That's but yeah, that's funny. Those episodes with yeah. Pickles and Mr. Peanut Butter, especially the social media one where they got engaged, there was a surprise party. She's wrestling with yeah. the affair and the adultery. Mm-hmm. That episode is. <laughs> Where the whole party's hiding from them during it's the fight. Great. That was just crazy. Um, yeah, I was happy that they didn't end up together. I also would have been happy. I wasn't sure where they were going to go with that one. I, I would have been happy if they stayed together, you know? Because I do think they're like, they're a good fit because of their mm-hmm. like toxic, their toxic qualities are a good mm-hmm. fit for each other. Because they're both like kind of superficial. But I guess like Peanut Butter had more growth to do where Pickles like, could grow more with someone else yeah. moving on to a so funny thing, how this show know? takes animal traits like a dog's loyalty and just like runs with it they're like well yes but what if this dog yeah. was also kind of human <laughs> it's the show does a good way it has does a good job of just like boiling mm-hmm. down like the yeah i really liked characters. the introduction of princess carolyn's assistant slash endgame hus- husband judah Neither did I. Didn't see, didn't see that coming. I don't know about you. I was surprised. I, I, and I at first, yeah, I was it like, grew on I don't me know. too. But and then, then uh, it, it in my research me. today, in preparation of this podcast, I discovered that Judah's last name is spelled M A N N O W D O G. So it looks like Manodog, and, and it's almost like it's man or dog. Manodog. And Judah is such a loyal creature hmm. to princess carolyn that he almost is like a dog is he more man or is he more dog and he's kind of like the antithesis of bojack mm-hmm. which is just like very entertaining to me just to like discover his last name yeah. which i don't think was mentioned on the show maybe more than once if that i i was gonna say i don't think that I don't know if that comes up at all. Yeah, I don't know. I wouldn't. I wouldn't remember. I. I don't. Right. It's been a while since I've seen the season where he got introduced. 
I only watched the I watched the last few episodes of season six today just to kind of get my brain back in the movie. I've seen probably every season at least twice. True. Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, I've, I've had only a long seen it all the way it. through once, obviously, yeah. and I'll probably revisit it in a couple years. Mm-hmm. As it's also it's oh, a good yeah. show to throw on in the background. You know what's happening, <laughs> and then something sad happens, and you're like, oh, "Yeah, let me feel this a little bit more." Take a look at that. Yeah. So the yeah. the moment when I was watching BoJack Horseman that really stuck out to me that I was like, "Oh, yes, this season and this show is for me." Was the episode mm. called "Fish Out of Water," where BoJack goes to the Pacific Ocean Film Festival. And it's completely silent because he's underwater. The little uh, seahorse. And he saves the, um, the yeah. uh, so seahorse. And then at That's the end, one. he finds out that he can yeah. use this little talk box to actually talk to Kelsey Jannings, the director that he's mm-hmm. been chasing the entire episode. Very good. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good. One. I think that's you know a lot of people hold that that episode in, in mm-hmm. high high regard, and I I understand why. And that's also the kind of one that's like one of the first examples of them kind of like really uh, flexing with like that animation style, or doing more like stylistic mm-hmm. choices in the episodes Absolutely outside of the, the norm. But yeah, um, so the, we've touched on a lot of different themes, but what is your favorite theme? What is the theme that resonates the most with you? <laughs> um, that's a very good question. Uh, uh, there's there's a lot at play in Bojack. Um, but I th- I think it's just getting in your own way is something that speaks to me a lot in the show. I, you know, I do think Bojack's mm-hmm. a character who creates a lot of his own problems. I think he has had a lot of trauma in his life. I also think he's had a lot of love in his life and a lot of tools to get better that he doesn't think he deserves, Mm -hmm. which leads him down darker paths. And I think that, you know, those, those things thematically, um, I always really, I don't know about identify with, I don't, I don't think I have such a bad rap like Bojack, but I, or I'm as narcissistic, but those are always the the nuggets that I, I found most interesting about him. Um, and you know, I think, I think everyone has that quality in themselves where they like, they know the the right thing to do, or they see the, like the real and the reality of what's happening, but then their, their brain kind of gets in the way. Then they see the, the bad version or the passive aggressive version or like the worst case scenario that's being applied to it. And then they kind of get wrapped up in that, or they just get wrapped up in their own ego. You know, I, I've certainly got wrapped up in my own ego before. Um, yeah, I definitely that, that those are kind of the things I I really identify with the show. Um, I think there's really something for everybody in it, though. You know, that's just one. Oh, that's yeah. just one thread that I just. I think uh, a lot of people probably do deal with generational trauma, and some people choose to face it head on mm. and deal with it and exercise those demons. But I think also a very common thread to deal with situations like that is to ignore. And to just continue to push forward without yeah. actually dealing with anything, which I think is equally as traumatizing mm-hmm. and as 
stressful for that person internalizing all of that trauma. And so I think the show handles that very well and brings it out into the open that it's okay to deal with that. And it's okay to have that imperfection because that doesn't make you any less or it doesn't mean that you can't move past it eventually. And so that season six really shows him struggling. It seems like for the first half of season six, even though he's trying to get better, he still is actively fighting getting better because he thinks it's all a show. And I think a lot of people think recovery is a show instead of actually recovering. I think he's also he's he's afraid of of mm-hmm. just setting himself. He's afraid of reality, you know, because he he does, you know. I think the the first half of season six, I, I think as the viewer before like the the cliffhanger episode, you're supposed to be like, oh, he is making choices and getting better. He's not taking drinks. He's not like trying to bang chicks or do these weird things. Like he he really is getting better. But it's because he's like you know kind of in right. He know, doesn't have to hold himself jail, accountable so to speak. for anything. Um, Exactly. So he, and you know, he's aware of that fact. So he tries to kind of not deal with it in that way. But uh, which I, I also really like too. I, I, I like that idea of you know, kind of being like, I just stay in rehab forever. I can't right. fucking fuck anything else up if I'm in. And rehab yeah, you forever. saw from that welcome wall with all the pictures of the people who have come to that rehab. Seems like that's a very common thought is to just continue to go to rehab. And just, yeah. it's okay to be in this cycle, because once you get better, that's when you actually have to try. Yeah. Right. Whew. What a deep show for a cartoon. So there's a lot going on. You can talk about it. You can bring oh, it down yeah. season by season and talk about it forever, you know? Do you hear that? Get some honking over there? Bernadette? I do. Maybe a birthday? You live on a, you live on like a, I don't know, you live on like a residential road too. Like you don't live like near like no, a I live, major highway or anything. Yeah, I live so. on a cul-de-sac essentially. I'm not in the cul-de-sac <laughs> part, but I live on a dead end street. So <laughs> there, there have been a couple of birthdays yeah. and it's been really Something's cute because people have decorated their cars and like baked home mm. goods for people and they drive through and they have cans oh, cool. trailing and... I, th- so I think more so. more of a, a, a happy honking. <laughs> oh, good. <laughs> yeah, it's actually it. kind of impressive. I don't know. This whole quarantine thing with... Uh, I still don't think people are sheltering in place as much as they should. Because every time that I'm out and about, I know I'm part of the problem. But it's like, too many people are still out and about. I mean, you're allowed mm-hmm. to be out. You just have to be six feet apart. Um, and if you're sick, it's or true. if you feel like you might be getting sick, you need to stay to folk home. You know? But, like, everyone, you gotta eat. You gotta take your dogs out. You know, you gotta do your life. You gotta do some basic life things, and that and that is allowed. It's when people take advantage of it. Like, you know, I live near a nice, like, park waterfront area, and I haven't been able to go down there, because every time I check it out, it's packed. And really? I'm like, alright, well, that's not gonna, that's not gonna fly. Yeah, it sucks. So you know, I'll I'll walk like the res- the residential roads, and you know, that's that's nice. Mm-hmm. I'd like to walk by the water, but it's just it's too crazy down there. Yeah, that's so a bummer. Not gonna, that's not gonna fly, you know. Yeah, I People mean, like, you, know, you can spread out down there, but I don't think 
And there's probably not a ton to touch. Yeah, exactly. Like, I don't I fuck with that. But, you know, if I go to the grocery yeah. store, I wear my mask. If I have gloves, I put them on. Wash ferociously when I get home. That's all you can do. Well, but, you know, you're alive. Sure. Don't feel bad for going out. You're not part of the problem. Yeah. You got to do You gotta do your basic life. Yeah. Basic life true. things. I, I have out. been out a couple times, though. And granted, I have things, like, in my arms because I'm actually buying product. But there have been multiple times that have been out at a store, yeah. and ju- you just see people walking around, and they're not carrying anything, and they're just like on their cell phones, and they're just like looking around. It's like, are yeah. you here to buy anything? Are you here to kill time? Go home. Yeah, you. Yeah. Yes. You gotta be productive while you're while you're out. Agreed. There should be something <laughs> to do when you're out and about. But yeah, it is kind of nice. Uh, yeah. With BoJack Horseman. So many times you see these characters who are very self-destructive and you don't really see a lot of people looking out for other people, but it does seem like that honking on my street that just happened that like generally I think humanity is handling this situation for the most part pretty well. Yeah. I mean, it's hard to, to get the sense of like togetherness that's mm-hmm. happening through it. Cause everyone can't not be together, but by that virtue that we're all kind of, you know, it's, it's uh it's a war that we're all involved in. We're, you know, humanity's versing it. So, you know, we're all on the same team, which I think is why it's a bummer when you see people who are not abiding by the rules. Cause you're just like, yo man, like I'm doing what I got to do. You got to do your part too. Otherwise it's going to last no. fucking forever. Like we don't yeah, want that. To very happen, good point. You know? So, um, yeah. one of the last things I want to talk about with BoJack is that I think it helped illuminate to me a little bit more um, the severity of cancel culture and holding celebrities accountable to things that they've done in the past that they perhaps have already kind mm. of paid retribution for already, but things getting unearthed. Because we live in such an age where social media, it's so yeah. easy to bring up something from the past. And immediately there's a backlash mm-hmm. from what such and such person did to whoever. And so watching a show like BoJack and actually getting to know a character and seeing him actively try to get better for the majority of the series kind of made me think how often I've, you know, quote unquote, canceled someone without maybe giving them their due process and the ability to come forward and maybe make amends for what they've done. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I think the show doesn't necessarily, like, push-pull you in any certain direction with that, I think it makes it makes you as the audience kind of wrestle with that idea. You know, I don't know if I, I think if I heard about BoJack without knowing his, <laughs> if, I, if BoJack was like a real of course person, and I heard about what he did on on uh, E, <laughs> wherever you or TMZ or wherever the fuck you find that shit, which is not a thing I do, but I would or I right. guess I guess Twitter would really be how I would find out. I'd be like, yeah, fuck this, fuck this guy. You know, I wouldn't, I don't want to, 
I don't want him to be out and about and doing his thing. But then, you know, you only see, like, the headline of the article of, like, you know, oh, he slept with a 17-year-old girl, which is not what happened, you know. But at that point, did those specific things, like, even matter? I I don't know. I mean, I think even knowing the whole picture, I don't think it matters. I think he, you know, mm-hmm. was seconds away from doing a thing anyway, you know. Um, but I also don't think, I think all the things he did leading up to it were really bad, like giving that kid alcohol poisoning and doing that stuff. There's enough there besides the thing he kind of got pinned with that we've seen as the audience. That's, that's, you know, enough to, to not really want to be around someone or want someone to have a ton of good things going for them, you know? Um, but I think that's kind of the hard thing. It's like, you know, it's like, Oh, you don't have the whole picture, but even getting some of the picture might give you the whole picture, you know, like it's hard to say, um, I, I think about like Louis that's C. the big K, one for me too and he used to be one of my faves and, but there's yeah yeah same but you know there's a lot of people who you know come to his defense and they're just like oh well he asked permission and all those people he showed his dick to said yes and I'm just like I don't think you know that and the fact that it blew up in that way doesn't give me a ton of confidence that that's exactly how that went down I'm I'm so glad that some people consented to his creepy actions that's great but I don't think that that means that they all did. <laughs> I don't think that's like what that means at all. And I will not be watching yeah. his specials or his. And even content. the fact that some of those women you know? may or may not have said yes. Why did they say yes? It probably wasn't an, an enthusiastic yeah. yes. It was more exactly. of a self-preservation. It's like a it's a leverage. Yeah, yeah. Like you know, he's he's being like, oh, I'll, I'll get you on this show or we'll do this thing. If I just if you never expect to see your name anywhere if you gross. say no. Yeah, it's a bummer. Exactly. Yeah, um, and I think I think that one, you know, that that's an easy one for me to be like, I don't, I'm not into that. Uh, I think the Aziz one was a hard one for me to wrap my head around. I think that's still one that's hard for me to to fully, you know, I don't know. That one's that's a hard one for me. I really like Aziz and Sorry. I really like Masters and None, but you know, their their content can't get in the way of the things that they've done. I also think the thing that he did wasn't necessarily like. I think it opened the door to a much more important conversation, and he just has to be the. I think you're right. I think think the conversation of consent was very important, and it sucks that that terrible date happened to spawn this conversation of what consent is. Yeah, I think I'm a little bit easier to forgive Aziz for sure, but I also think maybe. Yes. Yeah. He has a more forgivable action that has less of like a legacy <laughs> behind it. Like the Louis C.K. thing was just oh, like, yeah. oh no, like this thing's been I think I'm just a, a little time. bummed that Aziz like wrote a, a book called Modern Love, which I purchased and read and loved. And it was like him saying like, I've studied romance yeah. and I think I kind of get it now. And I'm like, ah, you don't get it. But no one gets it. It's a morphing I guess, thing. I guess you haven't. Yeah. No. Yeah, that is a uh, a supreme bummer. But yeah, I think it's I think it's hard. I think cancel culture um, is a weird thing. I think I think what really kind of gets muddled with it is just the dogpiling that happens, um, which I don't think no. is really helping anybody. You know, I don't think it's help. I don't I don't think the dogpiling helps the. Well, I shouldn't. I was gonna say it doesn't. I don't know if it helps the victim, but I also. I've never been a victim of sexual assault, so I shouldn't say. But I, I, I am hard pressed to think of the ways they would help the situation. 
Right. Um, so I, I, need, I, I agree with you. Involved, um, you know? Are you familiar with the YouTube channel ContraPoints? All right. So this woman does a series no. called ContraPoints that you can look up on YouTube. And they're very long, mm. but entertaining and informative and really eye-opening. And she did a video about cancel culture mm-hmm. and how our society is so quick to, A, put active verbs in things. And instead of focusing on the allegation, they more focus on the person. And instead of vilifying the action, we vilify the person involved. And so instead of saying, like, so-and-so mm-hmm. is a victim of perpetrating, like, this crime. Like, someone did something seedy, and they change it into this person is seedy. Yeah. And that happens so quickly, and it's so fast and Mm. widespread that instantly it tarnishes someone's complete career, and that we as a society have to get better at slowing down, you know, pumping the brakes, really examining the actual action that took place as opposed to the person who perhaps may have done this thing. Yeah. I think it's hard because the minute you hear from the victim, you're just kind of like, well, that sounds like a nightmare. I want to sympathize with this person, you know, um, in any way that I can. Uh, I'm not so sorry. I mean, I, I don't know. That I don't listen to the victims or anything. I don't know but how just you, the way that. No, no, no. Sure, sure. <laughs> that's that was not what I was trying to say either. Yeah, <laughs> I I just think that uh, I think that's I think that's an interesting point. I think pumping the brakes on anything is probably a good move. Um, in general, I just think you know it gets it it gets to the next blockage point in that line of thinking is right. Okay, well, when you hear from the victim, like then, then what do you do? You know. I think that's kind of the next hurdle you have to, Definitely to is. cross. Um, Especially when hard. the victim isn't able to speak for themselves. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah, a lot of times they don't even like have like a voice in the matter unless there's like some you know, document they released that spearheaded the whole right. thing. And then they and become then kind of the, the victim from, of you know the statement itself, not the action. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I always, I always think that like, if you're gonna dogpile on anything, like you should whatever the victim is saying to do, you should do what they want. You know, if the victim comes out and they're just like, stop fucking talking about this, it's like, you right. know, shut the fuck up, like stop talking about the thing. If they're saying like, hey, dogpile <laughs> on this dude, it's just like this seems weird, but I'm down. Like, yeah, <laughs> I feel like that that should be how how we would handle things. But I you know I also think it's a lot of like opportunism on social media when these things happen where people are like i'm gonna make a viral tweet about this that is disguised as empathy you know and they make a killer joke that gets you know 352 000 retweets <laughs> and it's like all right like, you benefited yeah. from this like really shitty thing so i don't i don't know i don't really i think that's why i don't that's why it's the culture of it is so strange like there shouldn't be a culture of it we should be civilized human beings that look at the thing objectively, but maybe skew more to believe the victim or hold their uh, yeah. words with more clout. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. It's hard. I think with Bojack, I think with Bojack wrestles with all I of think that it does in, too. in nuanced ways. You know? My mind always goes to Pamela Adlin 
who was one of Louis C.K.'s best friends and best collaborators. Uh-huh. Yeah. yeah. She's and the voice of Bobby. Uh, she plays a potential nice. love interest on the show Louis. And then she also has this phenomenal FX yeah. show called Better Things. And it was co-created between Pamela and Louis C.K. She's in the episode of Louis, too, where they they send the pictures yeah. of each other's, like, stuff to one another. Which is, like, I think that's, like, one of the episodes that, like, have, <laughs> by alchemy, yeah, become the absolutely. most gross since all this and, stuff. And uh, it was so sad to yeah. see between, I can't remember, maybe, like, between season two and three of Better Things is when all of this stuff dropped. And Pamela mm. had to make, like, a, a social, right. you know, like, statement saying you know all of this is so heartbreaking for me i i have to cut ties with louis ck even though he's mm-hmm. one of my best and most trusted friends she was like this is very difficult for me i've wrestled with this a lot i love him yeah. but i also do not condone his actions and it was very nuanced the way she wrote about it and she but said because think- she based the yeah. show better things in which she has three fictional daughters off of her real life where she does have three daughters and she said because i raise women and because i am a woman and because this is a crime against women in general i i've been my hand is forced but it is a conflicted Mm -hmm. decision i'm making but i want you to know that i am making it because it is important to make sure that things like this don't happen in the future but yeah, it really made the the situation, I think, a lot more empathetic and complex than what the basic social media rhetoric was around the Louis C.K. scandal. While I don't approve, I will say Pamela's yeah. response to it made it more interesting to me. And it made me see it from a different angle, just like BoJack makes me th- see things from a different angle. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I mean, you know, Bojack, again, does a good job of, of showing the, the people. It shows the ripple effects of the trauma that happens. You know, it shows people affected by it. It shows Bojack's, you know, how he did it. It shows what led him down that road. You know, you get a whole, you get like a, a whole season's worth of stuff where they explain why um, he has alcoholism. You know, they, they really go to great lengths to and explain And I like that like, they always say that this but, is the reason, but it's not an excuse, yeah. which I like. Um, any last things that you really wanted to hash out since this show has been a part of your life for a lot longer than it's been a part of mine? So I didn't know if there were any parts that we didn't really touch on that you would like to get into. I think we, we kind of dived in, in, in the way that I'm comfortable with, uh, you know, it's, the show is over, but it's, you know, it hasn't left my life personally. It will, it will still be there for me. I'll be rewatching it again and again and again. It's one of my favorite shows ever. So so I'm not worried. Um, and every time I rewatch it, I find new things. So that's that's where it's at for me. I'm excited to see what they all do next because I feel like it's going to be something cool. Yeah. I, I loved how the music is so apt for what the show is doing. I think the music is phenomenal, which we didn't really touch on at all. Yeah. But I think it's really good. And I love how that intro, the opening theme and credits really uh, – paints a picture for what the season is representing, which I think Mm -hmm. is great. Um, Very, very sad to see things like Sarah Lynn being present at that party 
until she no longer is present at the party. Yeah. Very well done. But I was a little let down that in the last season of the intro, that Bojack's hair wasn't gray. I was bummed. I was like, once he cut his hair and just went his natural color, that should have been the color in the opening well, credits. They, did, they didn't want to make another credit sequence, I guess. <laughs> Maybe I don't know how easy it is to, to change the color once it's already rendered and done, but... Yeah. At, at or they first, didn't want to spoil it at first. I don't know. Maybe. It's such a great reveal when he has his, like, when you realize, like, his natural hair color is great. It's like, oh, that's fucking awesome. Isn't it a great moment? Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's transformative. It's like, it's like when, you know, Heisenberg has his beard in, in Breaking Bad, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, when you see him, like, all, like, cancered out and, like, haggard, it's just like, oh, it's, like, different. You've finally seen, like, a character transformation. You know, he's, like, kind of been the fucking same almost the entire time. Or he has, like, kind of, like, three different looks, you know? Yeah. Again, like how Bojack and Diane are mirrors of each other. It's like as soon as Bojack was starting to become himself with the Mm -hmm. natural hair, Diane was also starting to become her natural self. Right. Being on antidepressants and being like her her true weight and not smoking cigarettes. And it was cool to see those characters trying to embrace their natural bodies, which they hadn't up until that point. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, it's true. Very well done. All right. Well, have we reached the end of this road? For now? I think we're I think we're there for now. Maybe maybe in five years we we'll do a retrospective on Bojack. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if this would be something that was revisited, even just like for a special at some point. I could see them like having something maybe in another five, ten years. Yeah, I mean if Friends comes back for a reunion, why not do why not do Bojack? Oh. Well yeah. Maybe we'll get Wanda. Maybe, maybe we'll, we'll get, get some Wanda. Lisa Kudrow back. Maybe. We'll see. <laughs> That'd be great. <laughs> Um, all right. Well, Robbie, thank you so much for joining me on this thank podcast. Thank you for having me, Bernadette. Appreciate it. You're welcome. And thank you, listeners, for listening until the end of this Bojack Horseman cathode ray cast. Um, if you've enjoyed this, please feel free to search us wherever you get your podcasts for other type of content like this. Um, just so you know, we have plenty of other ways to support Story Screen. You can go to our website, storyscreenbeacon.com. While you're there, you will find all kinds of goodies. We have merchandise, t-shirts, mugs, totes. We have our very own digital theater where you can go and rent movies to stream. And we have a diverse list of movies there for your enjoyment. We also have a $5 subscription for a bunch of exclusive content. We have video reviews. We have podcasts, we have articles, reviews, all kinds of good stuff. $5 a month. Not a bad price, if you ask me. (laughs) And then... Not bad at all. Not bad at all. And then coming up soon, we're going to have our second annual, maybe not by the time that this podcast is out, but we will have our third, coming soon, virtual raffle, depending on when you listen to this podcast, of course. We can always expect your support, and because of that, we're willing to give you a bunch of opportunities for fun prizes that can sometimes be used at the theater, but can also be used for fun. We also have an Instagram page at story story underscore screen underscore beacon. We have a Twitter at story underscore screen. So we're pretty much 
anywhere that you can find social media. Robbie, do you have anything else you would like to plug at the moment? Uh, not at the moment. Subscribe to our our five dollar membership thing because we got a lot of cool stuff on there and uh, a lot of stuff we're really proud of. But you know, if anything, always just just hit us up and say what's up and talk to us about movies and stuff because we we like doing that. True. Yeah, I think the only place that you can get the video reviews so far is through the exclusive content feed. The The next one is going to be released publicly because it's going to promote a movie that we have in our virtual theater. And I cut the video review for it, and it's a very good movie. Very cool. So look out for that. Yeah. So yeah, please feel free to check out us on all of those things that I just mentioned. But again, thank you for listening, and we'll catch you next time. Peace. Bye. Um, the other day, yesterday, when our power went out, um, I went for a drive. I took some Easter leftovers oh, nice. to Mary Colleen and Beacon, and Beacon was crazy oh, yeah, yesterday it was, it was after weird. that storm. Uh, I think, I didn't think we lost power, but Kirsten said that we lost it for like a second. It looked pretty wild, but from where I'm at, there's not a ton of yeah. things to fall down. Um, I did see they're, they're doing construction on another building in front True. of mine. And uh, they have three porta potties out there, and two of them got knocked over. And I was just like, "Oh no, <laughs> what does that mean?" So, so yeah, that's Maya. terrible. But yeah, when I when I got back from mm-hmm. Beacon, our power had finally come back on, and Heath had like reset our microwave time, that's great. and like our coffee pot time, and he had reset all of them. But I could tell that they were uh, off because yeah. they were all a little bit off. And them. I just did that. And I'm like, well, we've been using this website called time.is. And it's like very accurate. <laughs> it is very accurate. I yeah. said, you married a crazy person and I'm only becoming crazier. It's true. Quarantine's not going to make you more sane. No, it is not. <laughs> <laughs>